So hi everyone, I'm Gavin Allen, this is Excel Elites, and today I'm delighted to be speaking with Mark Cracknell. I'm sure he won't mind me saying this, a seasoned campaigner in the world of business and technology transformation. Mark is a well-known thought leader, speaker and visionary around the world of financial performance management and corporate performance management. Trained as a qualified and accountant through KPMG, and worked for some 10 years in the UK and Europe um, in financial roles from financial controller all the way up to CFO. This is where the seasoned part comes in. In the last 20 years, Mark has been instrumental in building and developing two successful businesses, providing consultancy services and technology to large organisations. Mark is currently in the process of setting up a new consultancy business, advising on finance transformation. Mark, welcome to the show and it's a delight to have you on. Yeah, great to, great to be with you, Gavin. Before we get stuck into the detail, Mark, do you still enjoy doing what you're doing today? Yes, I do. I, I absolutely love it. And I think it gets to the point um, in your career when you, it, it almost becomes uh, evangelistic um, in what you're trying to do. You've kind of been through the pain of being on the other side and, and working with finance teams. And you still talk, talk with finance teams and CFOs who are up to their eyes in it. Um, and, and you know that you've got the tools and the ability to be able to help them. So I say it becomes quite evangelistic um, to a point. Um, and it's almost like, as you say, giving giving something back to the to the finance community. Does the world of finance seem a long time ago to you, or do you still see yourself as an accountant, um, really deep down at heart? <laughs> yeah, I think I think every time um, I talk with an organisation or I talk with an individual, um, and they start talking about the issues they face, it, it takes me straight back to to uh, when I was an accountant working in, working either in practice or. Uh, or working as a group financial controller or CFO. Um, so it seems like only yesterday I was sitting there doing month-end accounts on Excel. Um, and, uh, and, and, and it's amazing that 25 years forward, you know, a lot of organisations are actually no further forward than, than that position 25 years ago. Yeah, I mean, I feel just the same. I think you and I have known uh, one another for many years and I still see the same thing. So I think for my audience, if they're still struggling with Excel, uh, they're not alone. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a good segue into, um, you know, really, I guess my first question, Mark, in really in the last sort of 20 years, what what have you really seen um, as being the, the biggest changes in the world of finance generally? And by finance, I don't mean trading stocks and shares. I mean, you know, the office of finance. Um, I, I think it's been the, the demand on the finance team to to, to add value um, to the organisation, not just to be that back office piece. Um, and, and just the pressure really on the finance team to, to deliver more and more for less. Um, at the end of the day, there's still a cost centre. Um, they still need to do things as efficiently and effectively as possible. Um, but also then if you, if you look at the sort of underlying part of that, then obviously the, the advances in technology, um, which have been quite rapid over certainly over the last two or three years. Um, and, and everyone now is aware of what technology can do. And obviously that, that puts added pressure on the finance team. So um, that's, that's kind of been the big change. But, but if you go back to the fundamentals, the finance team now is doing what the finance team did 20 years ago. Um, I suppose that's, that's in my mind where, where we've got an issue because we should have moved forward um, and we haven't moved forward as much as we should have done. Yeah, and no, I, I think, 
you know, for, for just, you know, to, to follow up on that point, you know, as you say, the advances in technology seem to be all around us in our everyday lives, whether that's with mobile technology, telephony, computing, and also, as we'll go on to talk about, you know, at the space that um, that you're consulting around, you know, the, 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 the explosion of software vendors in this space. And yet, yeah. it's not, and yet it's not really changed the landscape of finance, has it really? <laughs> no, and it kind of came... It's kind of coming to stark reality. I've got um, um, a young person I know who's just started off on a career in finance. So they're working for a quite a large organisation. Um, they've been doing the job for three months, and after two weeks, I got a phone call from them um, to explain what a fixed asset reconciliation was, um, and the, the fact that the fact that that person was using a, an access database that had been built in two thousand and five, and they were trying oh, and they were trying to reconcile that to, to their general ledger, which is a legacy system that's been there for over 10 years. And, and this, you know, young people nowadays know what technology can do. Mm. And the first question was, surely technology, there must be technology that can do this. And I said, well, there is. Yeah. And I, I think that's going to be a change going forward in that the people now coming into finance and working their way into more senior positions are tech savvy. Um, and those are the guys who are going to start to push things forward, I think, a lot more. Yeah. And I think, you know, as my audience will, will know, that the, the sole reason for Gavin um, setting up the Excel Elites podcast is really to, I think, have an element of that giving back. And as you've quite rightly said, Mark, you know, we've got the, the young guns coming through now that bring a very different uh, perspective, both to the Office of Finance, but also the options available. Um, do you see um, a more youthful and younger exec board in your dealings with prospects and clients? I mean, not, not as much as I would have hoped, really. I think still the decision makers, the CFOs are, you know, without giving away our ages, are kind of our age, you know, uh, early 50s, mid 50s. Um, and that, that's kind of the predominance. Um, I think where we do find younger CFOs coming into position, that's where we do see companies moving forward at, at, at a greater pace mm. um, and, and to be more open to, to those changes. Um, so, yeah, so, so long may it continue. But I said there's a lot of younger people coming in at the lower level of the finance team who are beginning to ask questions. Um, mm. You know, that old problem we used to have where people say, we've been doing this for 20 years. Well, people are now coming into those positions and are now asking why they're still doing it. Yeah, is, or, know, so, or, or in many respects saying, what have you been doing for 20 years? I think so, I've heard that sometimes yeah. as well. Yeah. You know? yeah. You've just yeah. said you've been doing this for 20 years, and yet what, what have you been doing? So, uh, And yeah. I think that, that leads nicely, really, into this. Um, you're embarking on a, a really exciting journey. You know, you're going into um, you know, a consultancy practice, and you know, you've got a great entre entrepreneurial track record. But if you had an open agenda for a client... Where would you actually start that process, given what we've just been talking about? You've got the, the young guns coming through the organisation. You've maybe got the experienced older guards that are holding the purse strings. If you just had an open agenda, where would you actually start that process of transformation? So I think the first, first thing is really getting the, the key stakeholders around the table um, for a series of meetings and interviews and to really to start to understand where they want to go as an organization um i think one of the first things you have to do to 
for people is actually to to start to try to give them an idea of what finance transformation really means because that word has been out there, that phrase has been out there for a while, but people don't really understand exactly what it means. Um, it's, uh, it's got a certain mystique about it that's been put there by the, the big four, I think. Um, but I think the first thing is helping them understand what, what finance transformation and what digital transformation really are in, in, in the barest sense. Um, and then to look at where they want to be as a finance team um, within their organisation. Do they want the finance team to be? Do they want it to be the strategic leader? Um, and, and to sort of kind of map out that future role of the finance team. But then really to, to look at what they currently do and then start to look at where you can improve their processes and improve their performance and change the way they are perceived within the organisation. Um, in my mind, it's quite a simple starting point because the current processes can always be improved by by some kind of efficiency um, and then you can get into the more intricate stuff um, later but for me it's about understanding where they are where they want to get to and really looking at what the art of the possible is and I think that's where people like myself and yourself can help these organizations because we understand what technology can do and we, we've seen other companies and what they do and what best practices um, and it's really helping these people understand the art of the possible um, and they're setting out, setting out a vision for, for transformation. Absolutely. And I think what, what's interesting that, that for, for me, what I've just heard there, Mark, is stepping back from, um, you know, the, the plethora of technology that's available out there um, and just going back to, to basics almost and starting to say, OK, um, there isn't, you know, one platform or one technology that can solve everything. Um, but let's let's look back at the processes. So I, I think that's a really key mm. takeaway for me. Um, yeah, and yeah. I think that that sort of leads quite nicely into what, what you're about to to be doing and embarking on. Could you just tell our, our audience a little bit about um, the exciting world of, of Mark going forward <laughs> and what, what you're setting out to do? Yeah, so um, so looking to set up um, a new consultancy practice and it's kind of just about to, to go live, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Um, finance utopia um, the name is significant um, it's something I've been playing with for a while this whole idea of, of finance utopia utopia of course means an ideal place in which all aspects are perfect or have reached their full potential so what we want to be able to do is to help organizations reach that full potential and really for me it's all about moving um, the finance team from from being and I don't like the phrase but move them from being bean counters to thought leaders mm. um, from being a back office organization to being a front office organization. Um, and, and to, yeah. Yeah. And to do that, technology plays a very big part. Um, so it's not just identifying what the opportunities are, but it's also then identifying a platform. Um, and so we're, um, we're working with um, 16 of the world's leading vendors around this area um where i can then work with them to deliver this transformation so um i mean I, th you. I think that's brilliant i mean just i think just for my audience i think finance utopia summarizes perfectly um you know what we're going to explore and also positions yourself as that you know that that trusted advisor i mean you mentioned they're working with 16 of the you know the world's leading vendors that says a lot about you as an individual mark but what what's 
what would you say aligns, going back to our process question, you've got 16 vendors at your disposal, you go into an organisation, what would you say sets yourself apart when it comes to advising a client which particular solution to go with? I think there are a couple of things that... Um, that, uh, that, that, that one, is, one is obviously the technology agnostic part because at the end of the day, there's a lot of products out there that will do that will do what you want to do. I mean, let's take planning and budgeting as, a, as, a, as an example. I could name five or six products off the top of my head now that would deal with practically every requirement that's, that people have got for planning and budgeting and forecasting. So the real question is, which one's the right one for you? And that's, you know, that's, that's a very difficult, uh, difficult question to answer. Um, so, so it's, uh, it's, and also that process can take a while. I mean, I've, I've been talking to an organization recently who have got a short list of 10 vendors 10? and they don't, and they don't, and they don't know where to go. And they're saying, well, actually I can't narrow it down. Well, the reason you can't narrow it down is because you're not asking the right questions. Um, and you're not looking, the, you know, you're not looking for the right things um, because there is differentiation at the, at the edges with all of the products. And that's the thing you have to look for is what's the differentiation what's what's the product what's the the reason that that product is better for you than the others and, and, to, and, it and to, yeah go on, carry on mark and sorry it, and it might not just be technology because you know let's not forget it's the implementation team that are going to make this thing sing and dance so it's a combination of the technology and also the implementation team um and it's it's um and what we aim to do then is to provide that advice bring this back to basics to make it very, very pragmatic and to help them select the, uh, the right partner and the right technology for them. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's, that's such a, a great point there. Um, you could have the, the, the most Rolls Royce of solution stack implemented by, a, you know, a substandard team. And even though it's the Rolls Royce solution, it's not necessarily delivered correctly. Um, and I think that message is so important. Um, and, you know, I think just coming on to sort of my next point here, you know, thinking back to when a technology implementation maybe didn't go according to plan. You probably already answered this in your last response, but what would you do differently today, even though you perhaps had the best software at the time at your disposal? If things weren't quite going according to plan, what would you do differently today in order to make that better? Um, yeah, obviously very many reasons why things go wrong in the past. Um, I, I think um, another big part of this is project governance is about if you set out the right vision before you start and you put scope around it um, and you don't allow cro um, scope creep, um, that, that's a big, big gain, I think. And I think in the past, that's that's been a, been a problem with most organizations including organizations that, that i built myself is not is not paying enough homage to that um, project governance piece um because these projects can just uh just creep in terms of scope and then you never get the project finished or it never gets off the ground and then you know the, the losers the user starts to lose confidence in what's going on so you know so that's that's massively important so i think it's all about having the right people in place to set the right vision um, and I think organizations, because you, when you change systems, you only do it every five or six years. So you're not going to have people internally 
that have got the skill set to be able to select the right system and set the right vision. So I think organisations should really look at bringing people in, um, experts in this area, industry experts who can help them through that selection phase and also setting the objectives and the vision for the project. I guess this is where finance utopia comes in um, because I think with your experience, Mark, um, you can help you know, the, the exec board translate you know, what they see as an essential project with the, you know, the operational team. And it is that conduit, you know, it's through experience, what is the right platform, the right technology. And I think it might be, I mean, I'd, I'd welcome your thoughts on this. It might not just be one technology fits all. No, no, there's, um, every, every company will have a, a slightly different requirement, a slightly different um, objective, and therefore the technology will, will be better. One technology will be good for one company and one technology for another. Um, you know, it could be price. I mean, price is always going to come into it. Um, so that's going to be potential limiting factor occasionally. Um, it could be methodology of delivery. But... Um, but yeah, and in, in, in most cases, as I say, most cases, companies only use 25 to 30% of the functionality of a solution anyway. So, so you, you could say that five or six products will, will fulfill their brief. And the, but the question is, how, how well can it be implemented? Can you get on with the, um, the implementation team? And then how well do you project govern and, and deliver that project? So effectively, Mark, seeing... seeing seeing through the marketing i guess isn't it because you know that there's inordinate amounts of marketing spend that go into promoting products and values features and functions Um, but i think where finance utopia and yourself and your organization can help is really cut through that marketing and actually say look you know these are the the pitfalls and those types of things so good so in your opinion you know, being able to be honest, pragmatic, cut through the marketing, but align process to value um, and bring that to life. Would you see that as a, a, a good summary of, of where your skill sets and your organisation can help? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And it, it, it's also making sure, you know, during that selection phase that the, the RFP that you put out is of great quality because as we know as vendors on the other side of the fence, we don't like answering 80-page RFPs, um, and in, 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 in fact, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, and you know, and, and in fact, you know, if, if you're not going to get the right people on the short list to start off with, then then you've you've start off, started off on the wrong foot. So, it's all about really setting the agenda for the project, setting the objectives, making them succinct, making sure we've got the right vendors in the pot, um, and then the other piece then, which is something which we've never really done in the past, but um, is something that Financial Utopia will be offering is that that seat on the project steering committee to to make sure that the project keeps on track and kind of acts as that liaison between the organisation and the and the vendor as well. Just oh, to because you know, you've got that horrible horrible issue which always happens in projects where the customer blames the vendor, the vendor blames the customer, and you get to you know you get to a bit of a hiatus period, but. You know that liaison can help that uh, help that issue when it arises. Well, that's that's an amazing service. Um, I think that really fills a um, such an urgent need. I think um, you know, I, like yourself, we've seen implementations that 
you know, don't have that place or that seat on the steering committee. So it's almost implement and disappear. Um, yeah. So finance utopia coming to the table and offering that conduit. That's such a fantastic offering. So for my audience, I'm going to leave all of Mark's details actually uh, in the links below to this podcast. Um, and yeah, I urge you to reach out to Mark because it, just what you've heard in the last 15, 20 minutes, um, there's, there's an urgent need for, for these skill sets. Just moving a sort of on a little bit, we'll come back to finance utopia in yeah. uh, a few minutes, but, um, for my audience and maybe for some of the, the younger audience and older alike, I'll ask the question, what's wrong with spreadsheets? Um, Excel per se um, is, a, is, a, is a great product and it's going to be there and it's going to continue to be there. I mean, if you go back seven or eight years, every, all the software vendors had this great idea we were going to make Excel disappear. Well, that's, you know, that, that's been shown to be a, a very... <laughs> yeah. a very false belief yeah um and to be honest that one of the first things you ask in an rfp is what what is your connectivity with the microsoft tool set so so excel has got a place to play but the place it plays is as, as a as a user interface into the data yeah the problem that we have with using excel nowadays is people are trying to use it as a database so they're trying to use it as a database and also as a as a reporting and analytical tool well that's yeah that that brings all of its problems that we know about excel about personal use complexity etc so so excel is it's definitely got a place to play but the place it's got to play is the is i say is the window onto the data that's within the database that you're working on that, i mean that's that for me you just opened my eyes a little bit to a i think a key point the, it's, it's not so much the functionality of what spreadsheets is all about or maybe the personal productivity. It's the user interface that everyone seems to like, the grid, the cells. Yeah. Um, so if and that's, where, that's where its real value is. And, and you're kind of beginning to see the, now, the same now with, with PowerPoint and, and Word because most of the products that we're working with now have now got a PowerPoint add-in and a Word add-in. And, it, and the reason that people love those tools is because they know them. Um, they're, they're familiar with their functionality. Um, and all we're doing by providing those add-ins is providing you an ability to be able to refresh against an underlying data source. Um, so I think we're going to start to see that prevalence of Word and PowerPoint as well, kind of following on that, that Excel theme going forward. That's a great point. Leads me nicely onto what I was just going to ask next, really, which is, you know, we've extended beyond um, the spreadsheet. Um, my key takeaway there for my audience is it's a great user interface, but it's, you know, it's wrong for all the other reasons. So, you know, I think I could say long live the spreadsheet, but then caveat that with, well, the, the graphical interface side, maybe, or the, or the grid. But yes. I wanted to talk more about something that we, we mentioned earlier, which was the, you know, the, the, the younger community that are coming through and social media, you know, we're constantly, I mean, th this platform is social media um, to all intents and purposes. Do you see social media having an influence on the way finance and accounting is seen? Um, you know, because for me, this, this is, this is an up and coming um, technology. Do you see that having a place in finance or not? I, I think so. I, I think it's a great forum and a great open um, platform for people to discuss things. 
um, and and to to communicate with the, with their peers. Um, and, and when you start to do that, like we know, you know, if, if we go back to to the good old days before we had social, <laughs> the good old days. Before we had social <laughs> the good old days. It sounds like we're on our frames here. <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> I know. It sounds it sounds great. The, the only time the only time you ever got to meet up with your peers was at user conferences. Yeah, and and you, yeah, that may only be four or five times a year, or perhaps you might go to an institute, um, institute dinner or something. Mm. The great thing about social media is that if you've got a problem or you've got an issue and you want to discuss it with someone, and you're yeah happy to discuss it with someone outside your organisation, social media is a great great way to do it. So you haven't got to wait three weeks for a, a response or an idea of or some thought from from your peers. Mm. So so social media. Yeah, can play a great role in in helping people understand what others are doing, and uh, and what their competitors are doing, and what best practices. Yeah, hence why we're having conversations like today. Um, I think there's also a, a school of thought where social media, in its own right, generates a lot of information and data. Do you see that playing a part in maybe doing business planning and forecasting? Maybe using competitive insights from social media to help. Or do you think that's just never going to play a part in the world of finance? I, I think I think we're going to get there. Um, I think with the whole AI predictive um, machine learning piece, there are going to be certain drivers of um, of information that are going to come from social media. Um, if you're working in certain industries, certainly, um, social media will certainly start to tell you where the market's going. So I think in in um, certainly in budgeting, forecasting, and planning. For some organisations, I could see social media playing a part in, in what I, I term in my mind intelligent budgeting forecasting, where we're, where we're using not just gut feel, but we're using the market to tell us where things are going. Yeah, no, I, I, I see that as well, slowly but surely, but um, yeah, I think it is coming. Now, you introduced the subject of machine learning and artificial intelligence. Yeah. Um, it's it's the buzzword of the day. You know, we see numerous posts about that. Um, what well, what are your views and thoughts uh, for you know the good old finance team? You know, ca- can you see a time when an individual would sit down, look at the screen, say a few things, and the computer will spit out the forecast? <laughs> or do we think that's just you know that's to, to that's utopia that will never happen? Um. Yeah, this this is a difficult one. I, at the moment, I see so many people are just so far away from this that, for me, it's a difficult leap to take. Um, I think I've used this analogy before, where we've, we've machine learning and AI is about sending people to the moon, and we've still got people sitting at home who can't get out the front door on the bike. Um, so, <laughs> so, so, <laughs> I like that. That's good. So, you know, and so trying to t- talk about going to the moon is difficult. I mean, I, I think there are, I'm, I'm beginning to see areas where that comes into play. I mean, if, if you sort of go back to the, to the kind of the robotic process automation, RPA as they call it, or software robotics, you know, the, anything where we're improving things through automation through technology falls into that space. So anywhere where we're improving budgeting, forecasting, financial consolidation, all of that falls into that software robotic. Um, sort of um, mm. subject. <clears throat> so, so that's that's all fine. 
but that only gets you a certain part of the way that that just gives you what i'd call a more efficient and improved finance team where 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 you are going to be seeing the sort of high level stuff as i say is in ai and ml and a couple of examples of that that i know are in existence at the moment is using it for anomaly detection so auditors are using it a fair bit to pick up um um tests for invoicing that kind of stuff things that we used to do manually in the, mm. in the olden days of kpmg <clears throat> so anomaly detection one area where it's been around for a while and it's kind of comes under that banding of ai and machine learning is around goal seeking optimization around uh, around planning um and certainly around that area i think that's very interesting that's where you've kind of got the question i've got two factories how many widgets do i make in a and how many widgets do i make in b and I say that technology has been around for a while. Uh, machine learning is only going to increase that, uh, increase that capability. Mm. So, so I think there are examples of it. And, and I think you can start to use AI mainly back in the ERP area where you're using the logic to drive some kind of business rule. So if you're, if you're, you've got a million transactions that you're trying to put through the system, you might be able to program it to be able to code them for you. So those are the kind of areas where I can see it working at the moment, using AI and ML at sort of the back end in you know, the entity close group close area. I don't quite see it at the moment. I say we might, might be able to bring it a bit into the budgeting and forecasting area. But um, yeah, I think the, the examples are few and far between at the moment. Yeah, I think it's emerging. Um, but I think you've articulated, I think where it sits right now, you know, if I was a CFO right now, hearing all the buzzwords about, machine learning ai this this can do this and you know the product's going to automate this i think um you know i think we're moving into an era where we, we desperately need someone to put a i don't know the conversation that you just that you just had with me an element of reality around things um and i think it, it brings me on to you know a really interesting point um for some of my audience, we might well be putting them off the world of accounting, you know, with all this technology. But is accounting dead in the water, or does it still have a future in this, you know, this, this modern workspace that we're entering into? Yeah, that's a that's a very interesting question. I mean, I, I believe that the finance team should be at the at the at the head seat um, in an organisation, um, and, and this is quite interesting about about how you drive finance transformation because we kind of go back to if, if people take finance transformation as just being becoming more efficient and improving your processes then if you just stop there what you're doing actually is make it, you're creating a leaner and meaner finance machine a finance team and a finance machine and what you're doing then is moving it to being a back office processing function and that's that's not what we want. So, you know, this is this is all part of the vision that, that I have for finance is is don't just stop there because you know true transformation is not just about improvement, it's about change. And what the finance team need to be doing is to change in the way they they work uh, and, and the, the value that they give to the organization. And if they start to do that, then they can become the strategic leaders, they can become business partners and influential business partners within the organization and then as a finance person you're actually leading the organization so on that basis why wouldn't you want to be an accountant that's, you're, a really, you're, you're that's, the top seat. Yeah. 
I, I, you know, I, I love that expression, you know, being at the top table. Um, I mean, I would say this, you know, with my finance background, but it's something that I see. And it's great to hear that um, despite the technological advances, advances that we have today, that uh, accounting, in your opinion, Mark, is still seen to be a pivotal role. In fact, so pivotal it should be on the, as you said, on the top table. Yeah, and, it, and the thing that surprises me is that, you know, going back to the discussion I had with this young person who's just gone into accounting now, um, how many other parts of the organisation, if you take, you know, this, this organisation, I bet their operational teams aren't working on 15-year-old technology um, <laughs> and on legacy systems that are over 10 years old. So, so if, if, if finance is so, so strategic to you, why aren't you investing in it? And that's the frustration for me is that the finance team has almost been you know, put on the back burner um, and, and they're becoming like, you know, not, not second-rate citizens, but you know, they're almost being treated as second-rate citizens because all, yeah, they, they would never do this to their operational team. No, um, they'd, they'd, never, they'd never have their operational team working 60 hours a week um, producing stuff. So, mm. so why, do they, why do they expect the finance team to do it? You know, give them the tools and give them the capability and they can deliver a huge amount of value. So long live finance. Long live finance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, I mean, there's so much insight that we could go into. I mean, I, I, we probably got another podcast of information that we could probably go into in more specifics. But just for the audience, Mark, you know, we've spoken about... Um, long live finance and I, I totally endorse that by the way um, what, what do you think has been the technological highlight of your career and you know don't hold back here you know this um, th this can be um, as dull as it may sound it can be very technical but you know what, what, what would you say up to this point has been your major technological achievement and highlight? <laughs> that's, that's a that's a quite a good question um, you, you could say, of course, Mark, you know, every day I get out is a technological achievement, but uh, I think there must be one or two things that stand out as being, yeah, that I was really proud of that. I mean, I think, I think there are probably a number of projects that, that you've gone into, uh, you know, um, and you've sat with an organisation where the, the finance director, or, or normally the, the group finance controller, is pulling his hair out and saying, I can't really go on like this, I'm working 70 hours a week. I need to get insight. Um, I just need my life back to normal. Um, I want my finance team to be to be doing the higher level stuff. And taking an organisation like that from that point of frustration, and, and you can do it very quickly. Um, take them very quickly through to a point at which you're giving them the tools to be able to perform their role on a day to day basis. Um, and there are a number of projects that I've I've been through where we've been able to do that, and it's just great to come out the back end. And for that FD or CFO or financial controller to sit down over a beer one day and say, you know, you've, you've changed my life. You know, I've, I've got my life back. Oh, um, and, and that's, you know, that's, it sounds quite, quite emotional, but actually, you know, for a lot of people not having to work 60, 70 hours a week and, and actually mm -hmm. being able to think they're adding value is, is a massive thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we should underplay that emotional element. Um, I think the finance community are, are certainly working hard um, and yeah, I'm drawing breath because it resonates very much with myself and, uh, and my yeah. journey and I'm, I'm sure yourself, Mark, you know, yeah. being, 
getting elements of your life back and not just being that bean counter, you know, or transformational wizard for 80 hours a week. Um, yeah, that's, that's a point I'm dwelling on it because I think the audience need to understand that, you know, this transformation needs to be about giving, giving people, yeah, as you said, give me life back. And, and, yeah. And I say, you know, we, we talk about transformation and technology, but one of the biggest elements of, um, of a transformation journey is, is about the people. And, you know, I'm not going to profess to be an expert about this, but it's about giving power back to the, to the user and to, to empowering the user. And it's, yeah, it can be quite a leap for an organization to, to go through a transformation project properly. Mm. Um, but it's, it's giving that, that, that power back to the user. Um, so I guess, it, yeah, I guess in closing, seeing the, the CFO walking out the door at a sensible hour, uh, mm. you would say that's mission accomplished. I mean, I, I, there's loads of um, surveys that are out there on the market talking about what CFOs want to see in the next few years. You know, the big four do them, the analysts do them. I'd love to see a survey which says how many people left their or le- left their job last year because their their company is still using a legacy system or can't get their processes right. I don't know. Yeah, that, yeah. that for me would be a hell of a survey. That would be a survey that I would definitely take note of. And I think we all know this, the surveys that we refer to for those of us that are in the know. I'd love to see that more personable survey um, and that more emotional type survey. Because I think to me, and like yourself, Mark, that, that would mean a lot more than maybe just a form, features and function survey. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think that gets the nitty gritty because, you know, organisations are um, a churning staff. And the reasons why they're churning staff is because you know, the, the, the whole process is broken. Mm. Yeah, Inside definitely, them. definitely. And as I say, I, I, I urge the audience to look at some of Mark's posts um, on LinkedIn. Um, and you've been quite vocal, I think, about some of, you know, said um, surveys. And uh, I think... I think we need to see more of that. So it was really great to hear that. It's been really great, Mark, that last five or 10 minutes talking about the human side of things. Um, so I think, you know, we're, we're coming to, to a close now. So let, let's come out of that. <laughs> let's try, yeah. let's try yeah. and pick it You know, <laughs> none of us would go back to work at this stage. But uh, um, just you're, you're entering a really exciting phase. You know, you, as I said, I opened the, the, the podcast with Seasons Campaign. You know, you've been there, you've done it, you've seen that. Um, how does the next sort of three, six, 12 months shape out? I, again, I love Finance Utopia. I think it's, you know, you'll see that. I'm going to use that in the, uh, the headline for this. But just tell the audience, you know, how, how they can get in touch with you. Um, what does the next 12 months look like? Um, yeah, for Mark. So, yeah, let's just yeah. sort of leave on a high. Yeah, so I say Finance Utopia um, will be launched in the next couple of weeks. Um, www.financeutopia.co.uk um, and I say it's all about us providing organisations with um, with advice, you know, five core values that we've got independence, knowledgeable, focused, agile and pragmatic and, and, and we're really looking to to kind of not go up against the big four because it's probably the wrong phrase to use but to provide a level of advice that's similar to the big four but without the price tag and the and the holistic uh, approach that goes with it. Um, and what we're hoping to do over the next three, six, nine, twelve 12 months 
is really to uh, build up a client base, um, thought leadership as well. Um, we've got a community that's going to be launched as well on uh, on LinkedIn, which will allow people to speak with their peers and to um, and to discuss um, subjects as this, such as this, yeah. um, and to get advice. So, so for me, it's all it's all about giving thought leadership, um, helping people on that finance transformation journey, understand what it is, and along that journey, um, and hopefully. Um, if people like what they hear, then um, I'm here as a trusted advisor who can help them on that journey. No, it sounds like, you know, the time is right. Um, at the time of recording this podcast, you know, it's 23rd of October, 2019. Um, so, yeah, I think the next few weeks, look out for Mark's website. And there's a, I mean, the, just the five core values that Mark summarised there, um, you know, just rewind two minutes and listen to those five core values because for me, that resonated enormously. Um, so just in closing then Mark um, you know you and I have known one another for, for a fair amount of time mm. do, do I recall that you used to do something with fireworks many many yeah. years ago yes I did until regulation got too heavy that sounds like finance doesn't it <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah used, to, used to so um, but then, then my daughter's got rabbits and uh, that was the like, end of that <laughs> I was banned. I was banned from fireworks. So, uh, oh, no, this, yeah, I still, I still love them. I still yeah. love them at a great time of year. But, yeah, uh, yeah. So particularly as we're coming up to, particularly here in the UK, we're coming up to that season now, you know. And uh, yeah, it's just, just thought I'd throw that in. And outside of the busy business world, what, what helps you relax and stay in tune with reality, Mark? Well, I was, I, I was going to say playing golf, but I'm not sure that helps me relax. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, a bit of... A, a bit of racquetball um, keeps me going as well. Um, wow. uh, still, still try to uh, get my body around a racquetball court. Mm. Lots of lots of pain normally. Um, yeah. Healthy body, healthy mind, and all that type yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's um, it's great to be able to spend a bit of time with the with the family when they're around. Um, yeah, that's always always a great thing to be doing. So yeah we've come back to that people side. You know, we mentioned yeah, in earlier. You know, giving back that time, but. Mark, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you today. Um, and I, I know we've probably got some more content. I urge my audience to, to reach out to Mark in this crazy world that, that we operate in. Mark's got some fantastic insight and value. So I urge you to check out uh, his brand new venture, um, Finance Utopia. I'll leave all the links um, in the, the podcast uh, below. Uh, but for now, Mark, I, want, I really want to thank you for your time. And providing our audience with some deep insights into the world of finance, accounting and technology. It's been a real pleasure, Mark. Yeah, thanks very much yeah, for having thanks. me, as they yeah. say on Desert Island Discs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, Mark, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Okay, Bye. cheers. Bye. Bye-bye.